Welcome to episode 37 of The Solid 60. I am Patrick, I'm your host. I'm going to lead you through some of the best films and TV shows of the year 2018. That was it almost over. We're finally getting there. And hopefully 2019 will be much brighter and bigger and better for everyone, including yourself. Uh, I know my fingers are crossed. I'm going to try harder this time to stick to my resolutions. I'm going to keep it simple. Go to the fucking gym more than once a month would be a good start. And also maybe check out this uh, parent thing that is down the road that's just changed its name. It was Gracie Barrow Jiu-Jitsu. Now it's God knows what. It's on at 8 o'clock tonight for the beginners. So I might drop in and check it out one last time before the end of this year. And hi, Scooter, who's decided to join us. So let's uh, hope that he doesn't interfere too much. He just wants to clean himself up after some bonus kibble because it's raining rather hard of course just in time for my washing to finish and uh for some reason he likes to be under the house he still gets wet so i managed to uh lure him inside with the promise of kibble and uh now here he's just chilling out with his homie and um i'm just going to run through this stuff nothing else has been going on i did see spider-man which has quickly elevated itself to the top of the list so let's start with movies uh, let's see, podcast even, I've got got a bunch of movies here, the best top five and worst five from io9. For some reason, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is also at the top of their list. And they say, can you believe it? A Spider-Man movie? It's the best movie of the year. And not just any, it's the animated Spider-Man movie. We did have Homecoming earlier in the year, the film version, which... They had, like, the handshake from it. They, uh, It's the first animated movie by Sony. I went into the trivia. I'm not going to read it all out, but there's a bunch of really, really like, obscure trivia. Like, it's the 19th Sony animated movie. It's the first one to reference films. So, like, the previous Spider-Man action films, rather than just a comic story. Though it is based on the Spider-Verse comic story, which has also been reimagined in other comics. Like, it's that classic. So... They did really well. It's definitely... It's hard to rate stuff like this. I don't like saying this is better than that. Putting it all in some like straightforward linear scale of best to worst. I mean, some are obviously going to be much better than others, but there's, there's sometimes stuff's just different. Like the next movie in the list, Hereditary. It looks amazing. I haven't seen it. Black Panther then is number three. And I don't know if I'd put it at above Infinity War. It definitely made more news it was more profound it was more groundbreaking in terms of it's not the first but one of the only and certainly the largest biggest most impactful film that had a fully black cast you know a couple of token white guys but generally it was seen as a great big punch in the right direction for colored people i don't know what the right people of color it's going to bring them into the next century saying wait we're already in the 2000s what would you call it 2020s with like a full roster and showing that that can be done people that aren't white basically and they can they've got the audience and then you had that trunk asian what is it rich crazy rich asians and similar type of thing so hopefully that's a sign of things to come and not just uh, a few moments of brilliance in the dark quiet place for example would i say it's better or worse than spider-man totally different thing it's like comparing a dessert to a savory like you just you go into the film wanting something else and if you want a really good creepy thrilling horror film 
then you go watch A Quiet Place. If you want something that's a whole shitload of fun, you're going to watch with your 10-year-old and it's going to write itself onto his hardware, like remap his brain in terms of what movies can be, how much fun they can be and also how meaningful they can be because uh, it just hits it on all levels. That's but it's not a horror movie. There's a few scary moments. He's been chased by his spoiler alert uncle. But uh, generally, it's it's mostly just a rollicking adventure. That's what you would go and watch. You would see Spider-Man. And I can't recommend it more highly. Like, it's been such a big year for movies. Obviously, had Infinity War, which I'm not seeing make into the li- any of these lists like the critics have put together. There's a couple of... Uh, I went to a few times. To- <laughs> I cheated, to be honest. I didn't write my own down. I was like, what are other people saying? And uh, then I'll just pick my favourites out of theirs. And unfortunately, there's a lot I haven't seen, especially in the arty, like the Atlantic Monthly. There was a couple of other ones uh, I've already forgotten. The name of AV Club. Yeah, like 90% of those movies I hadn't seen. So I was like, man, I really need to up my game. But I'm just, when I get home, when I get time, it's usually the TV stuff I binge. Like I finally finished. Season 5 of Brooklyn 99. Uh, so hurry up Netflix and get 6 on there because I know it's been done. America probably already has it. We're always a bit behind. Though January is looking good. We're going to get on the 11th Titan. Teen Titans. Not the cartoon. The proper live action stuff. So I'm looking forward to that which is a whole new direction for the DC TV universe. Uh, yeah, but back to this list. So Hereditary. It's another horror movie. Tony Collette is in the lead. That's all I know. I don't know anything else. I'm not going to find out any more until I watch the damn thing but apparently it really did blow some minds uh, let's see what did they say about Black Panther it's uh, it was the year 2018 of Black Panther that's undeniable Ryan Coogler not only made a film that became a cultural landmark but it also turned a superhero Hollywood had ignored for years into a hero for all times thanks in large part to a supporting cast that may be better than any other superhero movie has ever had audiences audiences were floored by this marvel tale of a young prince become a reluctant king set in a world that both looked nothing like ours and a lot like ours combined in a high octane superhero package that made its themes accessible to the masses wakanda forever yeah i wonder how sick of that michael b jordan and how do i forget his name the main actor it's gone it's gone it'll come back to me like as soon as i hit stop on this thing won't it i didn't finish the spider-verse thing there's no way when any of us first heard about what would become Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse that we could have dreamed the film would be as incredible as it is. We first heard about it, I believe, in 2014 after the hack into Sony's emails around the time of the dictator. So you can thank the North Koreans for that if it really was them. Now let's not mention the cat fleas that are jumping all over my arm. Thanks, Scooter. I'll have to put another pill into her proper dinner. They seem to work for about a week. The movie. Who would dream that it would look so good, be so exciting, have such poignant and important messages and truly nail the heart of the character? Not just that Spider-Man like Miles Morales, but, you know, six of them or something from different universes. That it could wrangle our emotions and surprise us at every turn. It may not just be one of the best superhero films of all time. It may be one of the best animated films of all time, too. There's almost aren't enough words to adequately describe this movie. But here's one that comes close. Perfection. Damn. They are sucking the dick of this movie. I know io9 is kind of like a geek. We come from the future website. Then we go down to A Quiet Place. Uh, Upon hearing about it, everyone's first thought was probably a horror movie directed by the guy from The Office. Yeah, sure. That'll be great. But it is great. It's visceral, intense, 
It's a thrill ride with a simple premise, intriguing world, great characters, strong human emotions. It doesn't hurt that the guy from The Office, John Krasinski, cast Emily Blunt, one of our best actresses, also happens to be his wife in the lead, giving the film a badass mum at its centre to battle the ooey-gooey, hypersensitive to hearing monsters. Few movies came as out of left field and stayed in our minds quite like A Quiet Place. I have to agree. Then they uh, review Sorry to Bother You, Mandy and Paddington 2, Annihilation, Anna and the Apocalypse, all movies I haven't seen. They look amazing. I nearly watched Annihilation because it was on Netflix. It might still be. It apparently wasn't great. I saw some reviews that were like, yeah, it's a fucking mess. But these guys love it. They're saying it's a wildly different thing than the novel it's based on, Alex Garland's sumptuous story of scientists who travel into an indescribable physical anomaly, still has us wonderfully confounded. See, there's the, there's that word you got to worry about. Confounded. Is it a David Lynch type thing? That's the sort of thing I'm drawn to there, so I probably will like it. Uh, it's filled with actors such as Portman, Tessa Thompson, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, giving incredible performances in a captivating story that unfolds in a way that it becomes more interesting as it goes along. Well, that's sort of how that should go. Throwing some great action sequences, non-stop gorgeous visuals, and an ending that sparks fierce debate. Well, that's what I'm worried about because uh, open-ended, mysterious, ambiguous endings, not a big favourite of mine. They usually I really enjoy the ride up to that point, so it's going to be bittersweet, I'm sure. Mission Impossible Fallout. When it comes to big-budget Hollywood action films, you really can't get much better than Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise's sixth film in the franchise is certainly the best yet, which is saying something. Combining a cool spy-fi story with action set pieces that rank amongst the best in the history of film, the helicopter chase alone is worth the price of admission, and that's just one of many edgiest seat action scenes. It's pure popcorn movie magic at its finest. I have to largely agree. I do prefer the Fast and Furious films for action. He has his place in the Pantheon. There's not too many out there these days are getting made. I listened to a podcast today on... It was an ABC thing. There was a bunch of people talking about Marvel movies and essentially how they've replaced the big-name action movies of the 80s and then I guess you could say mid-90s. All the Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Norris, Seagal, all those sort of big Harrison Ford stuff. It's all been pretty much swept aside by the Marvel and, to a lesser degree, DC movies. Whether that's a good or bad thing is up for debate. I like, personally, that it's happening. A lot of the reasons, apparently, is because of the CGI can now catch up with the story and do it justice. So that's cool. And Mission Impossible is kind of like a more old-school hark back to uh, action set pieces that involve real cars, real vehicles. You know, you have a little bit of that in the Marvel stuff, but um, generally it's all like a lot of aliens and a lot of flying around, making people look realistic as they fly, and uh, that's great escapism. But Fallout brings it back down to the nitty-gritty ridiculousness of... uh, It's not quite John Wick. I'm definitely enjoy that sort of thing more like it's so gritty i like it pushed right up to 11 but but still the uh the shootouts are quite thrilling like especially the chase sequences i think it excels in that any any time there's someone driving a car usually it's tom cruise behind the wheel i have a lot of fun and just totally forget where i am so good list there of the best stuff it doesn't include infinity war for some reason paddington 2's in there strangely and that's in a bunch of lists i've seen uh, apparently it's really good I might have to watch it one day with the kid. Again, it's one of those ones like The Lion King where I know it's supposed to be good, but I'm not going to watch it by myself. That's just a little bit weird. So let's go down to the top five worst movies thanks to io9. 
Number one, and I have to agree, the Happy Time Murders. It's the uh, the idea of an R-rated puppet detective movie from Brian Henson. Sounds pretty good. Hell, it even looked good. It was damn near an embarrassment, filled with jokes that don't land, characters that don't matter, and a tone that was completely off the mark. The whole movie felt like watching the outtakes from what you'd hope would be a better movie. Totally agree. Number two, I'm not sure about this one. I had a bit of fun with it, but The Predator. A running theme in this list is on paper, it should have worked. So here you have writer-director Shane Black returning to a franchise he helped pioneer in the late 1980s with a talent that gave us films like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Iron Man 3. See? Winning, winning template. Our story set after the original film featuring predators coming to Earth to hunt something important. And yet, the film's such a mess it's almost hard to watch. The story is jumbled, the performances are all over the map, the action is lacking and the final surprise ends up being a huge bore. Almost nothing works in a film that should have been great. It definitely did not live up to the potential that was there. I mean, it had so many cool actors, female scientists that's suddenly a superhero. Love that actor. Name skates him right now. Sure, Cyclock. I think that's what saved it for me. Uh, number three, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Many of the problems can be traced to the ending. Everything is centered on this big mystery. But once the mystery is revealed, it feels completely unmotivated and confusing, which is what the film does to the whole franchise. It's a film that moves the Wizarding World forward in such an incremental, insignificant way. The fact that the movie exists at all is basically a disappointment. Well, they go from such praise to Spider-Verse to like, wow, they really shit all over Fantastic Beasts. I didn't mind it. I'm an easy crowd, I've got to admit, but I had a lot of fun with it. I don't really care so much about the universe. It's, you know, I haven't seen all the Harry Potter movies. I haven't read the books, but I thought, hey, it's one of those things where it re- largely depends on the mood you're in when you see it, I think, and uh, who you see it with. So seeing it with my son who loved it, seeing it, uh, and, and I'm always in a good mood when I'm with him because it's so rare, that I was happy to just go, look at that, that's pretty cool. It's a flying lion snake thing. But I wasn't too worried about the story. Obviously, when you're in that kind of mood and you see something really good, like Spider-Man, elevates it a whole lot more. But I still don't think Fantastic Beasts was completely awful. If that's their zero, if that's like the worst, then... Hey, that's pretty good. Number four for them is The Cloverfield Paradox. In 2018, we realized that when a movie studio invests millions in a movie and then sells it to someone else before it comes out, that's usually not a good thing. Case in point, The Cloverfield Paradox, which debuted on Netflix early in the year and immediately vaporized. It's somehow just so flat and boring, despite its intriguing premise of Earth disappearing while astronauts are in space. Even the franchise name recognition couldn't make it more memorable. Well, that does sound cool. I didn't know that was the plot. Uh, That makes me want to watch it, but the rest of the review doesn't. So I'll maybe skim through a few minutes of it, maybe agree with them and then just move on to watch something like Robin Hood, which uh, would have been a solid film if it had embraced the fact that it was terrible. Instead of giving us a ridiculous action-adventure that tailgated on Taron Egerton's charisma and didn't care that it was historically inaccurate, we got a socio-political commentary about Antifa set against the backdrop of a guy stealing shit from a Star Wars villain's casino. The movie failed because it thought it had a message and it truly would have been so much better without one. Ouch! That's uh, pretty harsh. I'm still on the fence, obviously, because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I'm not. My expectations obviously not very high after that. And then we move on to... Uh, there's a couple more movie lists. We'll stay with movies for now. I couldn't believe it. I went to the Rotten Tomatoes Best Movies of 2018. And they've got a uh, list that is remarkably long. 
I think it's just every movie ranked from a lower score to highest. And I had to scroll all the way up to 114 to start with a movie that I recognized and did love. It had some amazing moments. And that was Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I will have to come up with a top five of my own. I'll wait till the end if I remember to do that. Yeah, so critic consensus for Avengers is that it juggles a dizzying array of MCU heroes in the fight against their gravest threat yet. The result is thrilling, emotionally resonant, and uh, it realizes most of its gargantuan ambitions. Uh, we don't need the synopsis. It uh, was good fun, but there's, you know, a lot of movies came out and a lot were loved, so that just slowly pushed it down to not even the top 100. It's definitely in my top five, I'll say that much, because I'm a freaking nerd and I love anything with all of those people in it. 113. Yep, we're going to go through this list. This is not going to be a 20-minute podcast. I am sorry. And I'm, almost, I'm mostly just apologizing to myself because I'm going to have to bloody edit this. We're almost at 20 minutes now. Uh, Nancy apparently was quite good, 85%. Oh, yeah, Avengers got 84 So And then there's a lot of 84%ers. And I'm not going to go through all of them. It's a provocative psychological thriller about love and trust. And it's got uh, a lot of people I've never heard of, except John Leguizamo. He's pretty cool. Looks like a critic's darling. Gospel According to Andre. That has uh, Anna Wintour. Not sure. I think Anna Wintour, isn't she the... Uh, I thought she was like the editor of Vogue or something. I am so confused. She was born 1949. Okay, so they're not referenced. She's not an actor. No, it's starring her as herself, I'm guessing. All right, I have to look at the synopsis properly because I don't know what this is. Okay, it's an intimate portrait. So it's basically a documentary. So documentaries can make it into the list. I did not know that. That changes things a little bit. I do want to watch it, even though I'm not a huge fashion guru. That looks amazing. As long, you know, you can make a documentary about anything as long as it's done well and the passion is there uh, for the subjects and in it and for the director, then it's going to be enjoyable. It could be about people that collect snail shells. Uh, let's move down a bit further to something I recognise. Apparently, it was Karen's, one of her favourite movies of the year. Tully delves into the modern parenthood experience with an admirably deft blend of humour and raw honesty brought to life by an outstanding performance by Charlize Theron. Uh, South African darling and directed by Jason Reitman so he's uh, hasn't got off the horse yeah 85% I have been meaning to watch that uh, we move down a bit further yeah I'm going to have to skip a few aren't I quite a few upgrade is at 86% I nearly bought that or did I buy it I remember looking at it and JB Hi-Fi and being like oh, um, should I it's augmented protagonist upgrades old fashioned innards get a high tech boost one made even more powerful thanks to sharp humour and a solidly well-told story. Uh, after his wife is killed during a brutal mugging, it also leaves him paralysed. Approached by a billionaire inventor with an experimental cure that will upgrade his body. Uh, it's an artificial implant called STEM. It gives great physical abilities beyond anything experienced. And the ability to relentlessly claim vengeance against those who murdered his wife left him for dead. So there's no one famous in it. It just looks like an awesome... Made with the eye of the tiger B-movie. So, ah, that goes up the list for me. And I've got to not rely on Netflix. I've got to, I do make the odd trip to JB, especially when it's 20% off everything. I just got a voucher. Thank you, Cecilia, for JB Hi-Fi. So as soon as they drop down to 20% off, I will be charging in there and buying season two of Westfield because I still haven't seen it yet. 
and that's uh, definitely a priority. Down again, we're into the 100s now. A lot of foreign movies. Ralph Breaks the Internet. So that's already come and gone. It's got 88%. Audience score 68%. Tickets and showtimes. Doesn't seem to be playing near you. How did we miss that? It's uh, John C. Riley as Ralph and his best friend Sarah Silverman leaving uh, the arcade to save her game Sugar Rush. Takes them to the internet where they rely on uh, the netizens to navigate their way. And you've got the head algorithm, the heart and soul of the trend-making site BuzzTube, huh. and Shank, ooh, it's Gal Gadot, as a tough-as-nails driver from a gritty online auto-racing game called Slaughter Race. That sounds amazing. So in theaters November 21st. Oh, well, that happens. You move down to... So that was in it, uh, not that it matters, 93. And then Annihilation was 87. Ant-Man and the Wasp. There we go. There's another one for my top five. I really should write these down at some point. I maybe even make a Facebook post. What was the bloody one in? Well, Dunkirk. That came out last year. We were talking about that on Banana Split. Uh, so I'll go back to the list because I've already forgotten the other movies. Uh, First Man. That was good. That's in at 85. First Man uses a personal focus to fuel a look back at a pivotal moment in human history. It takes audiences on a soaring, dramatic journey along the way. Uh, what did they say about Ant-Man? A lighter, brighter superhero movie powered by the effortless charisma of Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. Ant-Man and the Wasp offers a much-needed MCU palate cleanser. That is true. Can't disagree with that. Rolling on. Uh, a lot of movies I've never heard of. This looks good. A Private War. Just the name. I'm like, yeah, what's that about? It's got some cool-looking chick with, like, an eye patch. It's a real-life subject, uh, which is the sober appraisal of sacrifices required of journalists on the front lines. A career best work by Rosamund Pike. That looks cool. Sorry, I'm starting to talk like my three-year-old. That's literally what he says whenever he sees his favorite toy or a new car. Uh, Isle of Dogs. I think that should go on my list. It'll probably end up being a top ten. I can't keep it to just five. To Widows, 91%. Rounds up a stellar ensemble for a heist thriller that mixes popcorn entertainment with a message that marks another artistic leap for director Steve McQueen. What a cool name. Yeah, it looks really exciting. I can't wait to see that. I think we missed it at the movies, but uh, I'll definitely be grabbing the Blu-ray at some point. Star is Born, uh, Deaf Direction, and Affecting Love Story. Uh, it's a remake done right, with a reminder that some stories can be just as effective in the retelling. So yeah, it was good. 90%. Number 71. Not my usual kind of film. Certainly not either the genre or subject. But I do like the actors. Bradley Cooper's always a favourite and uh, Lady Gaga, you know, really uh, surprises with her acting ability. Down, down, down to Teen Titans Go! To the movies. 91% in position 66. It's quite good. Looking forward to catching that as well. I did miss so many, so many. Kusama Infinity. It's a richly deserved spotlight. Uh, so it's a top-selling female artist in the world, Yayoi Kusama. So it's a documentary about her. Just had a really cool title, so... Don't know why I stopped on that. Uh, another one that looks good at 62 is A Prayer Before Dawn. It's far from an easy watch, but it's a harrowing prison odyssey. haven't seen it, but Crazy Rich Asians, 91%, number 56. It's not definitely on my list. They were all on my list. I want to see all of them, but, you know, that's... I'm trying to race through this because one thing keeping this a bit shorter than it otherwise would be is the fact that it's 40 degrees and I had to turn the aircon off to uh, record this. Incredibles 2. I love that movie. It's not going in my top five. But it was a good movie. Position 39 at 94%. It 
It reunites Pixar's family crime-fighting team for a long-awaited follow-up that may not quite live up to the original, but comes close enough to earn its name. It was good, good fun. Good solid family fun. Quiet Place at 32. Quiet Place plays on elemental fears with a ruthlessly intelligent creature feature that's as original as it is scary and establishes director John Krasinski as a rising talent. Yep, keep him coming, man. I know there's a sequel. Unfortunately, he won't be in it. Spoilers as to why. Black Klansman's at 31. I did skip that. Uh, we went with something else over the top of it on the night that we we're going to go to the movies. Uh, apparently, it's good, so I'll have to catch it. Sometime. Oh, there's a documentary about Robin Williams. It's called Come Inside My Mind. Of course it is. 96% and it's at position 30. You really have to catch that. Mission Impossible 21. Fast, sleek and fun. Lives up to the impossible part of its name by setting out another high mark for insane set pieces. I mean, how many, how many of them are there now? That's probably the last one. If they do another one, let the mission actually be impossible and have him, you know, just sacrifice himself or something. It's got to just end. Uh, and let someone else pick up the torch. And here we are, number 20, Black Panther, 97%. Yes. Chadwick Boseman, that's his freaking name. He is the man. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, for some reason, is at 19. It should be much higher. It's really, really, really good. You know, Miller and Phil Lord, they pretty much have like five directors it took forever to make. But still good, even if it seemed a bit like oh, too many chefs. Uh, it came out quite, quite amazing. Uh, they were behind the Lego movie, 21 Jump Street. Maybe them getting knocked off and catapulted into this, hey, is what brought it over the line. Christ, we're into the top 10, and I don't know any of them. They're all completely, bizarrely foreign to me. Like, literally foreign. Summer, 93. Where's that from? Carla Simon, drawing on personal memories to create a thoughtful drama, elevated by outstanding work from its young leads. So it looks Spanish. I don't know. I'm going to have to open that thing up, aren't I, now that I've started talking about it? It does look quite good. It got 100%. I guess the entire top 10 is, is at that sort of point. Everyone, Every critic who watched it loved it. Christ, it's really hard to see where this is from. What the fuck do I have to do to see where this thing is from? It doesn't say anywhere. I have to click on a review. Full review from uh, whoever this is. ChicagoReader.com. Hopefully, it doesn't make me go through a paywall. It's Spanish. That was my initial uh, thought. So something about someone from Barcelona. Yep, it's just mentioning all these Spanish city names. So good enough for me. Whoa, number one is Paddington Two. <laughs> Christ, it's just come out of nowhere that thing. And leave no trace at number two. A low-key approach to a potentially sensationalist story. Don't know anything about it. Where's that from? Hey. Eh? Take me there. It's a young girl. It's an older dude with a beard. They're lost in a forest or something. Lived off the grid in Portland, Oregon. So it is American. It's just an indie movie. Uh, they set off on a harrowing journey back to their wild homeland. So that's all the movies. Uh, and what was my top five? Let's go. I'm. Uh, that's going to have to do. Five, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Four, Infinity War. Three, Isle of Dogs. Two, Spider-Man Homecoming. And one, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I could probably rearrange that slightly. But I'm happy with that being in no particular order. Let's go with uh, Game of Thrones. If they didn't come out. It wasn't out this year. It can't just be my five best shows that I like ever. Uh, what about Walking Dead? You know, spin-off. I didn't mind that. Like, it's not perfect, but it was kind of engrossing. Let's go with going for TV. NPR's favorite TV shows of 2018. Uh, one that I'm really keen to watch is called The Americans. 
And this was the final season this year. Uh, I don't want to read anything about it because it looks like the kind of thing that you don't want to have spoiled. Barry is apparently quite good. It's got Bill Hader and he delivers drama well. And this dark comedy about Barry, a hitman trying to go straight by studying acting. Uh, great work from Hader and Henry Winkler as his acting teacher elevates the story to something that stuck with me stubbornly all year. It's unsettling to begin with the idea of redemption and gradually smother it. It remains to be seen whether the second season can succeed, but these eight tight half hours are well worth a watch. Christ, where do I find it? Looks amazing. Big Mouth. That is very popular, and I've seen a bit of it. It's a bit crude and silly for me. It's a bit Beavis and Butthead, and now I'm 39, so I'm like, yeah, uh, uh, I can take it or leave it, but I'm sure if I stick with it, I'll uh, really enjoy it. Yeah, it'll end up on the screen in front of me at some point. The Chai, uh, it's about Chicago, or is it... I, yeah, I guess it's called The Chi. What the fuck? I'm going to have to... Uh, Lena Waithe, is that the... Yeah, that's the girl from uh, The Wire. Oh, she was the one that was capping people. How did that finally hit me? Just in the little thumbnail there, I'm like, oh, she was the one that barely talked and like was one of the most prolific murderers in the entire uh, show, The Wire. Yeah, that looks good. She, she's in uh, Yazi's show, Master of None, and uh, apparently she helps write it too. She's amazing. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, The CW... Don't know anything about it. Uh, doesn't look like my kind of thing, but it could surprise me. Oh, I think that got a bunch of award noms too. The Good Place, I have actually started watching. It is fucking, I mean, like concept-wise, absolutely up my alley. Consistently joke-packed, physical comedy, dumb puns, brilliant one-liners, unexpected observations. It doesn't discriminate. But the show's other calling card is its genuine and well-researched considerations of philosophy. It asks over and over, what does it mean to be a good person? What do we owe to each other? It's the third season. Oh, I'm still in the first. Uh, Ted Danson and the gang face new questions together. It remains as a high-stakes, thrillingly inventive series with one of two of its most consistently compelling casts. Cracking show. Homecoming. Is that still going? Uh, building a new series from the bones of a popular podcast uh, is the latest fad in TV land. But director Sam wound up developing an inventive show that stands as the best TV drama of the year. Or maybe it's not... Oh, I'm thinking of Homeland Derp. Movie superstar Julia Roberts crushes here, benching her legendary smile, mostly to play a frazzled, damaged administrator, discovering the dark side of a corporate-run program for veterans. And Esmail, whose trippy genius-fueled USA Network's Mr. Robot, ooh, upends the rules of TV storytelling by turning this show's half-hour episodes into taut bits of visually ambitious drama. Oh, Christ, now I have to watch that too, of course. Killing Eve with Sandra Oh. What? She's Eve Palastri. What part of that? No, she must be adopted. Uh, Deathbound low-level staffer in British intelligence. I have to hear her with an English accent. Uh, apparently she's uh, doing spy stuff. So that's fun. Kaminsky Method. It's an acting teacher, Kvetch, about aging. That sounds awesome. Legion. When the guy with a wicker basket on his head is the least weird thing about your show, that show can safely be called Distinctive. Welcome to season two. Not Your Daddy's Mutant Superhero series, helmed once again by Noah Hawley. Oh, is that English show where they all suddenly get superpowers? Like, while they're on uh, prison work? I have to uh, open the link. God, that's a long write-up. And it doesn't mention anything about where it's from at all. Not one little sentence about that. So I'll just have to believe that's the one I'm thinking of. It's English, which is fine. Just uh, for some reason, I'm more familiar with the American stuff, especially when it comes to superheroes. But I'm sure, because, you know, more money, they can do more things uh, in that 
arena. You can do the impressive flying stuff, but we'll see. I'm sure it's awesome. Queer Eye's done quite well. Uh, that's enough from NPR. Thanks, guys. I've skipped a few. But, you know, we're tight for time because we're now moving into the top 60 from Thrillist. Ash vs. Evil Dead. can't believe that came out this year. That might go in my top five. That will be number five. Four would be... And uh, what's number three, two, and one? We'll find out as we go. Uh, oh, yeah. Widows. That's not a TV show. What was I thinking? It would be a great serial. I just found another list of movies. But I'm not going to read it. The fifth one that they've picked here, which is Black Panther. Who imagined a superhero movie could be so politically sophisticated? Yes, yes, I know The Dark Knight. But Christopher Nolan's film was an achievement as much of mood as of ideology. Ryan Coogler's Black Panther maintains the aesthetics of the Marvel Universe, though the African-influenced production design is exceptional, while offering multiple layers of political introspection. Twinning... A fictional, rich, and high-tech African state of Wakanda with Kugler's native Oakland is a tremendous first step. Using the pair to begin a tripartite argument about race is nothing short of brilliant. A film that begins with Wakanda enjoying its wealth in isolation asks, what if the nation instead chose to help those of African ancestry worldwide? And then a step further, what if it engaged in a global conquest and an inversion of the colonialist order? A terrific movie with a terrific cast. Brilliant. Old Man the Gun looks good. It's got uh, probably his last movie, Robert Redford. He said it will be the final role of his almost 60-year career. What's that set? It's set in like the 70s or something. He robs a bank, just carries off into the sunset. So that's all the movies. We're on the TV now. Forget about the movies. Uh, let's go. There's a list. Top 58. I'm going to skip a few because some of them are just like, what? Okay, The X-Files at 57. As someone who willingly sat through the Doggett years twice and even kind of liked a largely panned 2008 feature film, watch it again for free at the drop of a hat, even though it would only rank somewhere around the 190th best episode compared against the original run, I'm in for however many installments of this still occasionally entertaining Fox series Fox commissions. I like this guy. He uh, wears his heart on his sleeve. I would be the same. I am a uh, X-Files tragic, but I think... Like, because I admire the passion, but I think with the years have taken their toll, and uh, I didn't hoover all these up. I think I caught one of them, and I had the guy from the Flight of the Concords, so it was pretty cool. And I enjoyed it, but I'm just not as uh, obsessed with it as I used to be. Uh, there's still joy to be found here if you're a true or even lapsed believer like me, especially in the Darlin Morgan episode, The Last Art of Forehead Sweat. I do that with words sometimes. The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat. Uh, yeah, that's that looks... Oh, I'll have to catch the rest of them at some point. Ah, uh, there it is. I saw this. 56, Unsolved, The Murders of Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. That was all right. Like, had some great actors, but... Uh, I don't know. Um, more than two dec decades after the murders. It's, it's hard, because they don't want to really pin it down, and they can't... Because nothing ever came to pass, like, prosecution-wise. And they just kind of hint. And they're not allowed to, because the libel laws really say who they think it is. I think it's fairly obvious by the end. And he's in jail anyway, so... Fuck him. It's uh, Tupac Shakur's assassination. Notorious B.I.G.'s in 1997. In a mid-2000 task force investigation, with team members played by Josh Duhamel, Bokeem Woodbine, great actor, and Wendell Pierce. It doesn't reach the heights of uh, People vs. O.J. or American... or Wormwood, uh, which I've also seen is quite good. Occasionally, zippy dialogue elevates it above straight procedurals like last year's Manhunt Unabomber. I haven't seen that. And if this is better than that, then I'm not very excited about Manhunt. 
How can it be 53? Come on. And Netflix's answer to Breaking Bad, not as brilliant. Well, okay, maybe not as good as Breaking Bad because that's like fucking like a whole nother level, but it's pretty fucking good. It uh, depicts the descent of a mild man at suburban Chicago financial wizard, Marty Bride, Jason Bateman, and his political consultant wife, Wendy, Laura Linney. And she's not as hateful as most like shows like this wives. Like you don't hate her as much as the wife in Breaking Bad. So like she pretty much supports the husband when she comes around. They become drug money laundering savants in the Missouri backwards. And season two kicks everything up about 50 more notches, which I still have to watch. I, still, I dropped the ball of that one a little because I was waiting for Karen to jump in and it's been difficult. And at least they're alive, unlike a lot of the show's characters by the end of the season. Oh, Christ, it's going to get messy. We go down to Disenchantment. That was good. That was good. Uh, I don't think it makes it in my top five, but it was fun. Do have fond memories of that. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, 49. Heard good things, heard good things. Uh, not really my cup of tea, but I'll probably uh, end up there at some point. American Horror Story Apocalypse. It's about the Antichrist, the latest one. If you couldn't tell by the photo, which obviously you can't see. Uh, more than any other season, this episode's crossover with previous installments, so make sure you binge through the entire series or at least have Wikipedia handy. No, I'll binge them all. I've uh, just, I've not seen the, the hotel one and not all of the... I think it was the first season, which was the Asylum. Thanks, Scooter. Just knocked over my Coke. Thankfully, there was barely anything left. But why you do that? Completely unnecessary. Moving down. It really just stuff I recognise. Oh, there we go. Jessica Jones. All the Marvel Netflix stuff I totally forgot about. Great series. There won't be any more of them, though, will there? Only now, post-Killgrave, she's attempting to understand who she is. As with many dramas with 13 episodes, it drags in the middle and makes you say again with 13 episodes. Come on, 10 have been so much better that's all I hear but you'll never stop watching and they know it so you may as well just succumb to the talents of Kristen Ritter Carrie Ann Moss and the new addition Janet McTeer yeah it's a, it's a good show so I enjoyed it I'm not sure about top five but it's a good show Altered Carbon ooh I did like that I did like that a lot and I hope that's in here is The Expanse that's one I have to include and one of course Westworld even though I haven't seen season two I just know I just know it's going to be in there and I can review my year too. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, number 39. These are in no particular order. Come on. There's no way that's better than uh, any of the other ones I've mentioned. It's fun, but Jesus Christ. Relax. Bojack Horseman, such a good show. I don't think I've seen all the latest ones. Definitely not. But it is freaking good. Season 5, 12 episodes. I'm going to have to look that. Oh, I'm not going to look for it now. But I'm going to have to make sure I haven't seen the latest. Because I know it's on Netflix. It's, they're the ones who make it. I should include that in my list. But yeah. Just, just outside. Just outside of this. There's something a bit navel-gazing about it. I don't know. It quite always hit the mark with me. It's not as Rick and Morty does. I don't know if there was any new stuff this year, so I can't really count that. There's Westworld at 32. Should be so much higher. We'll see what they've got to say. Uh, it did its best this season to perplex, confound, and bewilder even more than the last. But the second installment will make way more sense if you view these 10 episodes as a single story. Yeah, of course. That's the how they. That's the whole point. Got now we're moving down into the twenties. Nothing I recognise. Silicon Valley is supposed to be good. It's twenty six. The Chai or the Chi. I'm really going to have to find out how to pronounce that. Number twenty five. Babylon Berlin. Ooh, that's that looks interesting. Is it German? Uh, yes, it is. The bingeable mystery co-created by Ron Lawler runs Tom Twiker, and based on a series of novels. Uh, the combat soldier turned homicide detective Giron Wraith as he attempts to navigate around various forms of corruption and deal with his own PTSD during the wacky Weimar Republic days. That looks awesome. Wait, that's set in the 30s then. 
Yes, I like the sound of that a lot. Uh, very important, as with the time travel series Dark, and really any foreign show, make sure to watch this with subtitles turned on. We'll be subjected to the unintentionally comical dubbing. Oh yeah, of course, you don't want to hear the bloody bad dubbing. Uh, Handmaid's Tale, that was classed out. That was really good. I really enjoyed that. I might put that in my list. It's going to get longer, people. It's going to get freaking longer. The Handmaid's Tale uh, compelling dystopian drama drops a bigger set of similarly emotionally draining episodes. It's just brutal. That's going to become a seven. It's going to become a seven. There's so many good shows. I just remembered Brooklyn 99. Oh my God. That's got to be number eight. It's going to become a top 10, isn't it? It's just getting there. Yep, 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 yep. I sound like those guys from Sesame Street. Hear why people? That looks good. Second go round. Uh, it's a lot like season one, but we've seen stealing guest appearances by Tessa Thompson Ooh, and Lena Waithe. Plot that focuses more on the secret societies at Power Winchester. Cobra Kai, YouTube Premium. Ralph Macho and William Zabka re-team for the revival series. You didn't know you needed. They need to do that with so many other 80s movies. Well, this is probably one of the most iconic, so it was a good choice to revitalize with the original actors. Life has not been kind to poor Johnny following Daniel Sands' crane kick to the face. Binge on, binge off. Hey, that's cute. So that's going on my list. Cobra spelt with a K. No, it's spelt with a C. What the hell is I thinking? Kai is spelt with a K. It would be interesting, spelt with a K. That's not how it is spelt. You could do like a, a crappy ripoff. Insecure, yeah, I've heard about that. Glow, The Marvelous Miss Mysore, yeah. Maniac. Ooh, I did enjoy that, but I don't think it's in my list. It was cool. It was very, very cool it was more of an experience than something you just could say was entertaining under the top 10 the good place that's going in my list fucking a it is yep number 10 that round i can't include anything else sorry no matter what i can't make it a more than 10 things that's then it's just getting ridiculous because i don't wreck barry and uh, number seven killing eve number six uh, oh better call Saul. Oh, god i have to put that in don't i have to have it 11 I, I was like adamant that I'm not going to break in, but I'm like, I'll have to just replace. What go, what does it kick out? It'll probably kick out Ash versus Evil Dead because, to be honest, like it's it's fun, but it's you know it's not in the top ten, is it? Is it seriously? I mean, it's good. I'm not saying it's not good, but it's all right. That's okay. That's okay. I'm still I'm still going with ten. Atlanta, yeah, I'd probably put that in there if I'd seen it. Uh, it looks really good. The Americans again. See, I'd probably have a top twenty if I'd actually watched most of these. Uh, so there we go. That's the end of it. We're um, almost at an hour, so I'll have to come back in a couple of days with the rest of 2018's greatest pop culture for me. Uh, I'll probably mention the stuff briefly on the Banana Split episode. Hopefully we'll do one this weekend. This is, you know, the in-depth stuff. I don't know where else to go with this, personally. Been seeing the kids, been working. It's a bit slow at the moment, obviously. We're in the downtime for the holidays, which I'm not complaining about, other than... uh, (laughs) The lack of overtime. You know, I did get home yesterday and today before lunch. So, shit, man. Fucking winning. That's how I got to do this. That's why I'm sitting here with you right now. But it's time to turn on the aircon, hang out the washing, feed the cats, psych myself up for jiu-jitsu at 8 o'clock for the first one I've done in freaking months. I can't count the number of times I've sat here with half an hour before the class starts going, yeah, no, I really need to do absolutely anything else. But I'm paying 8... Have I mentioned that before? How much I'm paying? I make it sound like it's 80% of my income, not $80. But these little things do uh, work their way up to the top of my... These little things do somehow weigh on me. It's not rational. It's not healthy. But that's where I'm at. The other thing that happened, I went and saw freaking Jim. I had the best weekend. We had the work Christmas party, which wasn't actually as awkward as I was thought it would be because it was just basically me 
had a chat with Sebastian, some of his friends. I ended up sitting next to the boss, and his wife's quite nice, so she kept the conversation going. I think Richard doesn't know how to deal with me, so we didn't really talk too much. But it was it was nice enough, you know. That we're just different different kind of people, so we get along well enough. Uh, the food was great. I managed to park the truck in a bus zone for about three hours or whatever it was. No ticket, right in the rocks, heart of the city, during a storm. Apparently the trains were completely fucked, so it was a good thing. I did drive the truck, had saw Spider-Man, did the Christmas dinner, so we finally sorted out all that bloody drama with his mum. I just said, look, what about maybe a couple of hours just in the afternoon there? Oh, okay, yeah, sure. So a lot of unnecessary uh, drama to to make that happen but we got there Sunday saw the younger kid good times went out and about went to a park I can't remember much else that evening it was like hey someone had some tickets for Jim Jeffries right up the front and they couldn't go so they sold them to me for like half price or, or better I uh, took Jaden from Banana Split of course and we had a freaking good time he couldn't believe it it was just incredible we are right up front like I don't know how, you could spit on the guy not that I would He's pretty dark, and he's probably down for some weird shit, but there was enough other hecklers, which he destroyed, by the way. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about more that. Um, like, uh, I think Jaden will be able to uh, do it more justice. And I'm really getting into this comedy thing. I don't think I'll ever be quick enough on my feet or smarter, creative enough to write any bits, but I can definitely appreciate good comedy. So um, I may be going to one this Saturday with Sam Menzies doing it in Surrey Hills. But it looks like they're selling all their tickets, so and I'm too slow to get on that boat. I'll find out they're sold out, so yeah, I guess I'll just uh, make do. But yeah, the stand-up comedy scene, it's, it's really something I like to follow, especially locally. Uh, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts done by stand-up comics, and they really seem like people of a... like they're outcasts. They're weird. They're nerdy. They just have like these strange obsessions. They're depressed. They're all sorts of mental health issues. And I just, I get them by and large. Maybe not the, they're not all exactly the cookie cutter, you know, and that's the great thing. It runs unique in their own way. So of course you're not going to like everyone, but I think by and large, uh, they're all genuinely interesting, cool people. So that's, that's where I'm at. Sorry to keep leading you up to it and go, we're done. You're out. You can go. And then just rambling on again. But this really is it. I really am going and I'll talk to you again soon. Love yous all. Peace out.